Welcome to South Texas Stories. My name is Mia, and I got the chance to sit down and talk with my grandpa over the phone and discuss a fundamental part of Corpus Christi's labor union history. Born and raised in Corpus Christi, Texas, Grandpa is 75 going on 76. I am Carlos H. Valdez, a senior. I graduated from Carroll uh, High School in 1963. I went to Delmar College and studied uh, mechanics. And I got a mechanics certificate degree. Uh, certificate, I'm sorry. So we had to do our interview over the phone because of the coronavirus pandemic. 2020 has been a crazy year for politics, medicine, and everything in between. For those of a future generation that may be listening, COVID has currently taken the lives of a quarter million people so far, and unfortunately that number continues to rise. There seems to be a promising vaccine on the way, so hopefully that will close up this chapter of history, or at least get us closer to that point. So back to where we were. In his golden years, my grandpa enjoys politics, hunting, the outdoors, spending time with family, photography, and gardening. In fact, he became a master gardener and later a master naturalist. When I retired 10 years ago in uh, 2009, I, I became a master gardener because I was always interested in having my yard nice. And by becoming a master gardener, I learned how to maximize my time and keep up with all the latest trends in gardening and uh, turf management and things like that. Right after that, uh, being that I like the outdoors, I saw an ad in the paper that uh, if you wanted to become a master naturalist, well, then go to this meeting on such and such a day. So I did, and I've been a master naturalist now for about 10 years. I was elected president twice, and vice president at the time, and the last office that I held was I was a intern training coordinator, which uh, I did training for all the interns that were coming into the master naturalist. I did that up until last year. Okay, so let's start to think about the 60s. There was so much political upheaval in the world during this time, notably here in the United States, the civil rights movements. Kennedy was elected president and was assassinated in 63. Martin Luther King Jr. made his mark in history forever in 1963 and was assassinated in 1968. Additionally, the Vietnam War was going on full throttle, and there were protests breaking out everywhere to end the war. But by the end of the 60s, we got our first man on the moon on July 16, 1969, three days before my grandpa's first child and my dad, Carlos Jr., was born. Well, before the birth of my dad, a lot happened in my grandpa's life. Let's start when he joined the National Guard. I joined the National Guard in 1965. How I joined the National Guard was that when I was at Del Mar, I had about four or five months left before I finished my mechanic certificate, and I got drafted. So there was uh, no way out of the draft. I joined the National Guard. And finished my certificate program at Del Mar. And uh, so then I went in the National Guard, started going to weekly meetings. Well, of course, if you know, at, at that time, the Vietnam War really took off. Instead of weekly meetings, we were doing meetings uh, every other week. And of course, that created a little bit of a hardship on me because when I went to the, to the meeting, my job was letting me go. But I didn't get paid. So I wasn't off on the weekends, which I worked for petty shifts. I wasn't off on the weekends. Well, I just missed two days on that paycheck. Well, when I started going to meetings twice a month, well, that, that, uh, that really put strain on, on the paycheck. 
During this time, he was making minimum wage as a mechanics assistant at a local car dealership. Minimum wage back then was $1.25 an hour. In any event, I got through it and finished my uh, obligation to the military in 1971. So yeah, those were six years. While he served, Grandpa also got a job offer that would change his views on politics and the world forever. My dad told me that they were hiring at the plant, that if I would be interested. I said, well, I might be, but what, what kind of work am I going to be doing? I said, well, you're probably going to be doing pick and shovel work. I said, oh, well, that doesn't sound too inviting, but anyway, tell me more. How much is it pay? And he said, well, they're going to start you off at $3.52 an hour. So, man, my eyes and back just popped out of my socket. I said, my God, I'm going to triple my salary. You know, just pick and shovel work, but it can't be that bad for, the, for that money. So I told him yes. He took me to the personnel office. And in January, January the 27th, 1967, I started working at a circle. All right, so let's talk about ASARCO. American Smelting and Refining Company, ASARCO for short, was organized in 1899 by a group of Gilded Age businessmen, probably the most recognizable name being William Rockefeller. Although ASARCO is still largely operating in the United States as a producer of copper, the plant that was in Corpus Christi, along with many other branches in the 60s, produced zinc and its byproduct, cadmium. Most zinc is used to add a protective barrier to other metals. The proper term for adding this barrier is called galvanizing. So zinc is used to galvanize metals such as iron to prevent rusting. It's used for things that are pretty much always exposed to the elements such as car bodies, street lamp posts, safety barriers, and suspension bridges. Zinc's byproduct, cadmium, is commonly used in batteries, cells, plastic stabilizers, and pigments. Cadmium is actually in rising demand because of the growing popularity of solar power, which is awesome. So Grandpa worked with these elements for 18 years of his life and experienced many different things within this time. It was very interesting there. Eventually, my goal was to become a leadman. And when I reached about nine years on the plant, I was always taking the test. And I knew when my time would come because of my seniority where I was going to get a leadman job. And for the last 10 years of my employment with a circle, I was a relief leadman. So as we learn, Grandpa went in as a laborer. Even though he says that his mechanic certificate didn't really come in handy for him at the plant, some came in with no work experience at all. Interestingly, though, studies show that since workers, skilled and unskilled, were so cooperative with one another, the workforce was strengthened. So basically, if workers can make their own decisions or decide as a union to make decisions that benefit themselves, then the workplace and its employees will be better off. This was especially vital at a zinc plant like a Sarco, where the labor and the environment were pretty brutal. The working conditions were, were tough. It, it, was, it was hard work. It was hot and it, it was uh, dusty and dirty. Being a, a member of the union, uh, we, we negotiated for working conditions, pay, and things like that. Unions are one of the purest forms of democracy. In fact, they politicize people towards more democratic views that curb far-right authoritarian views. If it weren't for the formation of unions in order to fight for better working conditions, benefits, fair pay, and even things outside the workplace like fighting racism, our country would not be as well off as we are today. Without unions, there is only conformity to the unjustness of the way things are.
Of course, though, even today, we still have a long path to crawl until we reach equality, which is why protecting and preserving unions is pivotal to positive change. At, at a circle, I, uh, I became aware of several things. Uh, I, I became aware that uh, there was racism in our society, even though that we had fought a civil war. Several pieces of legislation had been passed, you know, to not have that. People got around the law and because uh, there was no severe consequences for the action. It continued to perpetuate itself. So I, I became involved in the union because uh, I felt that it was a good way for me to learn more about our country. And, I, and that's when I realized that he who has the political will will make the rules and regulations for our country. Let's put it into perspective. At the time Grandpa was in the Union, the Civil War had recently celebrated its 100th anniversary, but the remnants of the Civil War were still highly visible. In the South, segregation was fully alive, and Black people and allies of the movement were being jailed, beaten, and dying for equality. There were no severe consequences for aggressors, and often the victims would be blamed and face the consequences for trying to change the racist ideals of the majority. Even now, unions and individuals are fighting the same battles for equality that we fought for in the 60s movements. Even though some things have gotten better, there is still a lack of justice for victims of hate crimes and minor punishments for those who inflict the damage. Unions constantly fight unethical practices in and out of the workplace and strive to help people elect leaders that will follow suit. This is one of the jobs that Grandpa held in his union, Local 5022. Before that, he started out as the Good and Welfare Chairman, where he would visit the widows of past members and present them with a Bible and the union's support with anything they needed. During this time, his infatuation with politics grew, which led him to take on the role of Political Action Chairman. I became the Political Action Chairman for the rest of the time that I worked at the plant. Political Action Chairman was the person that introduced the people that were running for office for who we supported and why we supported them and encouraged the members to register to vote, to go out and vote, and to get involved in, in the uh, candidates' campaign by passing out literature, bumper stickers, for new signs, and things like that. The union pushed Grandpa's heart and soul even further into politics, and he got to help the people of Corpus Christi let their voices be heard through voting. During that time, I became the election judge in my precinct and the precinct chairman. Also during this time, there was a lot that Local 5022 had to negotiate with Asarco. Asarco was not a very good corporate neighbor. Asarco got cited many, many times for pollution violations, for dumping the cadmium in, into the uh, chip channel. You couldn't fish in the chip channel because all the water was polluted. They skirted the, the laws and the rules forever. They never updated their equipment. There, there was equipment that could be used to minimize the pollution that they were putting out into the air and harming the, the neighborhood around there. That neighborhood is called Donna Park. Those people there all, all had, not all, but most of them had cadmium or, or zinc. In, in their blood, which was detrimental to their health. As people in the community were harmed by the environment Asarco created, so were its workers. Many branches of Asarco were cited and suspended or shut down for pollution violations, which ultimately forced them to file for bankruptcy in 2005. They were really on 
because they never modernized anything or they just keep operating. They kept operating like they did when they started operating the plant back in the, in the early 40s. And 1985, that was the end of the dance because they just, the, the EPA would not have allowed all that pollution into the air, dirty the air, and, and of course, make, like, make life miserable for the residents of Donna Park and elsewhere in the community. Just as the steelworker union tried to fix things inside the plant, they tackled even greater things on the outside. They played a huge role in busing in Corpus Christi schools, which forced the school district to face the inequality and racial discrimination of schools. The steelworker union filed a suit against the school district because of de facto and de jure segregation. As a refresher, let me define de facto discrimination and de jure segregation. De facto discrimination could be defined as unofficial, non-sanctioned practices of discrimination. An example would be business owners refusing service to black people solely because they are black, or making black and brown people use the back entrance to a building instead of the regular entrance. De jure segregation was officially sanctioned laws that legalized the separation of groups. As Grandpa mentioned, the union filed a suit against the school district for this, what became Cisneros versus CCISD. What happened was that since Mexican-Americans are racially labeled as white, CCISD claimed that they were desegregating and integrating schools by putting the quote-unquote whites with the blacks, when really they were keeping the South Side's nice, fairly equipped white schools white and the poorer West Side schools black, but now, you know, with a bit of brown mixed in. That suit went to the Supreme Court twice, and twice we, we won the suit, and it was concerning that the schools on the west side were in a very poor condition in, in relationship to those in the south side. So one of the examples was when Ever Moody was built, so it, it was built at the same time that King was built. Well, King had a planetarium and Moody did not have anything, not even close to that. So we sued the school district and we won. After we won, there, there was school busing because they were, they were putting too many people in uh, the same race into one school. So what we really want to get across here is that unions played a crucial role in making life much better for everybody within reach. Every benefit that any worker has today is at some point or another negotiated in a union contract by a union. And I'm talking about the 40-hour week, the 8-hour day time and a half after 40 hours, and, and all those things. Without unions, there was child labor, there was people that were worked to death. So unions came about by necessity. And as soon as unions became legal, business and corporations have tried their best, not all of them, but the majority of them have tried their best to make it hard for unions to organize but I sincerely believe that if we had a unionized society, we would have more people making a decent salary to where they can make a decent living and their families and, and their children could enjoy more things like vacations, going to the movies, eating out, and things like that. You could save money for your kids to go to college. So it would benefit society as a whole. And on that note, I'd like to say I learned so much from my grandpa, Carlos H. Valdez Sr., and I hope that you learned something new as well. If you have the opportunity to join your local union or just make a difference in your community, do it. Know your candidates, vote in local elections, and let your voice be heard. Be the change you want to see.
All right, I'm Mia Valdez, and I had a wonderful time being here and sharing this with you all on South Texas Stories. Thanks for listening.